Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Jim Kircher. Nearly 6,000 school nutrition professionals from across the country have gathered in St. Louis to participate in a three-day conference focusing on innovation in foods, beverages, and tools for cafeterias. As part of the School Nutrition Association's 73rd Annual National Conference, attendees previewed new kitchen equipment, menu planning, nutrition education resources, and a lot more to help serve creative, nutritious lunch options for students, such as Korean barbecue tacos and yogurt dips. We'll have to find out about that. Long gone, apparently, are the days of settling for questionable spicy chicken sandwiches paired with a carton of chocolate milk. Or maybe not. We'll have to find out. Joining us to talk about the latest trends in school lunches with more uh, and more with St. Louis Public Radio reporter Chad Davis, who is down at the conference Mm -hmm. to find out what's going on. Also joining the discussion to talk about conference details are the past School Nutrition Association president, Becky DeMocos-Bays, and Irene Wan, who's the director of food services for the Maplewood Richmond Heights School District. Becky, 6,000 people talking school lunches. That's got to be pretty neat, I think. Yeah, it is. It's always an exciting time. People give up some of their summer vacation and come to our, our conference and we're always very proud of what we call ANC, Annual National Conference. We offer uh, this week over 120 educational sessions, plus our show, as you've experienced, uh, has over 900 booths. So it's um, put on your walking shoes and get your thinking hat on, and it's always a good time. I, I imagine the list is pretty long, but what's, what's the hot topic? What's the big debate? What's the uh, whose side are you on issue in school nutrition? Well, you know, th- there's always um, there's always... Everybody has individual definition of what's nutritious. If you, if you eat, you're an expert, I've always said. So, you know, we, we try to educate our families and our communities about, you know, we're fixing meals for thousands of children, not for three or four, and that's hard enough, as you know, as a parent. But we're looking at things um, this year on the show floor we found things like uh, what's popular are things that kids can build their own meals, like you have a taco bar or you have um, a concept that they can add their own toppings to. We actually have online ordering um, for meals. The kids can come in and order their meals that morning and, um, you know, get it, come down and get it, and it saves time in line because nobody likes to wait in line. And, of course, we're always looking for cleaner labels, which means no added colors, dyes, you know, different uh, ingredients. And farm to school is big, and I think uh, Irene has a pretty good farm to school program here locally. But that's always big, uh, and locally grown foods are, are very popular. Yeah. So Irene, you're with uh, Maplewood Richmond Heights School District. You're talking about um, little kids, medium-sized kids, big kids, breakfasts, lunches, probably, right? So when you go to one of these conferences, what what, what are you looking for? Oh, I look for all sorts of different ideas that I can take back to my district. ANC is one of those opportunities where you can see different programs across the nation and have different speakers try and inspire you and, you know, help you think and and plan out what you want to do for the upcoming school year. So being able to attend this conference is a great boon. It's a great resource. Um, I guess so many ideas that come back and, you know, share that excitement with my staff, but also with administration. But it's always a challenge just to get kids not just to eat nutritiously, but just to eat what's in front of them, isn't it? It can be. Um, so we have at our school district, Maple Richmond Heights, we have a district chef that is working with us to help develop new recipes and to um, encourage from scratch cooking and showing the kids, you know, this is what a healthy meal looks like with the proper proportions of fruit, vegetables, whole grain, um, milk and protein. So that way, when t- uh, students are here during school, 
hopefully those habits will follow them when they you know go off to college or go off to trade school you know when they turn into adults and hopefully share that with their own families as they go well since many if not most or all of us have had school lunches i'd like to invite our listeners into this conversation what were your school lunches like and what changes would you like to see in the menus for you or for your kids give us a call with your thoughts at 314-382-8255 that's 382 talk or send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Chad Davis, uh, mm-hmm. you were down there as a reporter, so you're looking at this a little differently. What, what, did, you, what did you see down there? And more importantly, what did you, what did you taste? Yeah, so um, first of all, it was a lot different than any of the school lunches I've had. Um, but there were a lot of different options that I saw. One of the things that kind of struck me were the additions of, as they were saying, you know, some of these bars that you get to create your own food. So I saw a lot of ramen bars there, um, a lot of options where, you know, you get to pick the protein that you want for the ramen, you get to put the broth in there, you get to choose the vegetables. I saw the same with like a fried rice bar, I believe, down there, and you got to choose the chicken, the sauces, and the vegetables that they had. So a lot of different options and, and very diverse options that they had that were that was different from when I was growing up and when I was eating school lunches. Yeah, when, when, when we were eating school lunches, actually I used to bring my lunch in a bag. That's, that's you know, I didn't, we didn't really have that cafeteria thing, but um, do you remember favorite or oh. least favorite uh, school <laughs> lunch? I remember my favorite lunch was probably the chicken patty sandwiches. Always loved chicken patty. I was also a big fan of some of the pizzas they had, like the the rectangular pizzas were, were a big thing. Those pizza days were huge. So it was really interesting because, you know, I saw like updated versions of these pizzas and, and chicken sandwiches at the actual convention. So those are my favorites growing up, definitely. Yeah. So, um, I, Irene, let, let's say you find something at the at one of the booths or at one of the lectures and you think I want to give this a try what, what do you have to go through I mean you know I I used to cover school boards and I remember a long long debate about uh, whether they should be buying sporks or 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 not you know <laughs> so I wonder when it comes to uh, some new nutrition idea do you have to go through a long process or how, how does that happen no, so if I do find some product that I really want to bring into my district, I usually try and taste test it out first. So I'll bring it into my employees so they have an ability to look at it, taste it, see how um, any cooking skills that are involved that needs to be uh, developed with it. And then once we've come to a couple different versions, we can try and taste test to the students with it. So we'll go out to the cafeteria, maybe pass around some trays, say, hey, what do you guys think? You know, put it in the trash can with a smiley face or the trash can with the upside down fit or you know the frowny face that way we get that immediate student feedback and that helps us develop our menus and the you know during that school year or hopefully next school year um, and, and make sure that the satisfaction is is high we want to make sure that those kids are eating those foods because if I bring something in and kids don't like it, then it's just waste of time on our part. The kids aren't getting the nutrition that they need. They're not going to stay awake during the rest of the school day. You know, we want to make sure that these kids are full and not thinking about being hungry while they're learning skills and, um, you know, developing their education. Yeah, Becky, I'm wondering in in some of these uh, these new trends and new ideas, is is are some school districts uh, in a better financial situation that they can make changes? I mean, is this an issue uh, in uh, from school district to school district? What can be provided? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question. First of all, you know, USDA does have um, what we call meal patterns, which are the standards we have to follow when we plan menus. So everyone has to follow the meal standard. 
Um, so that's an important thing to know, and that focuses, of course, on uh, low-fat milk and lean proteins, and um, which include vegetarian options. That's also a, a hot a hot trend right now, and fruits and vegetables and whole grains. So all menus have to be a plan- planned around that and have to meet certain standards. The big thing we want to make sure of is, and I agree with Irene in my in my, the district that I ran. Um, recently, I just retired, so I have to make sure I'm in past tense here. Um, we tested as well with kids, and it's important to get their their um, their opinions because if you're throwing away food, you're throwing away money. And most people probably aren't aware that many school districts across the country were expected to be self-sustaining. That means that we're an enterprise fund within the school district, and we earn our way through selling school meals. And so you want your customers to be happy because you want them to come back like any other restaurant would be. And I know in my district in Virginia, I would say we're the biggest restaurant in town. And that was true because we fed over 40,000 meals a day. And our our bottom line goal is, you know, we're we're an education part, part of the educational day. And Irene touched on this, and it's so important to know that – Proper nutrition and good nutrition leads to academic success, and there's an overwhelming amount of research that supports that. So what we do every day and the people on the front lines do every day is very, very important. On our other side, on the business side, we have to watch our uh, key performance indicators and make sure that our food cost is kept at a reasonable rate, that our labor hours are kept at a reasonable rate, so that we are at least breaking even. You want to take a phone call or two? We've got some. Uh, Jed is calling from St. Peter's. Jed, uh, go ahead. Hi. Uh, so I, I've been out of high school for probably 10 years now, but I distinctly remember when I was in high school, I had asked my principal if we could get uh, iced, tea mach- you know, iced tea dispensers for a healthier option because we had soda vending machines and things like Powerade as an option at school. And the principal told me that that actually wasn't an option because our school had a contract with uh, Coca-Cola and that they couldn't get any healthier options. I'm just curious, is that a fairly common thing or is that something that they're trying to phase out? Yeah, thanks for that call. Go ahead. Um, uh, Becky or, or Irene, can you weigh in on that? Uh, sure, I can put in my two cents. Um, so in this case, with the ice tea machine, For my district, since we are self-operated, we don't have contracts out. Um, It's also kind of part of the USDA procurement uh, regulations that we have to follow because we are part of the national meal programs. Anyway, we have to actually kind of bid those things out uh, for our high schools and figure out, okay, what's the good quality, lowest price, that type of thing. So, you know, if a self-operated district probably has a bit more flexibility to choose who they would like to do business with, but it's always an interesting option because I know one of the trends that we're experiencing now are coffee bars in high schools, you know, with cappuccinos or iced coffee, that type of things. And students have definitely responded very positively to that because they want to make sure that they have a little bit of coffee to, you know, possibly stay awake. Or, but you know, but is, is that a bigger issue, though, the question of, of corporate sort of sponsorships and, and, and product placement? You know, and I, I can, Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, okay, Becky. I was going to say, nationally... When the Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act was passed in 2010, some of that really began to change, and the beverage manufacturers have worked with um, some with USDA to try to get more healthy options in. And to the to the questioner's um, question, um, 
it used to be, and, and not all states were the same, but it used to be that we couldn't serve caffeine to kids. And that has uh, lifted a little bit. So we can offer tea, um, but it has to be unsweetened because you can only have so much sugar. You know, we're not allowed to have, you know, obviously tons and tons of sugar and things. But some of those contracts have, many of those contracts have gone away. And so, um, you know, schools, the reason they did that, they would get scoreboards and, you know, those kind of things and help maintain those those uh, school um, scoreboards and things in schools. That's really um, pretty much, I think, as the contracts expire, most many districts have gone away from that, that practice. Much more to talk about, and we will, but we'll take a quick break first. We'll be back shortly to continue this conversation about trends in school lunch and the nutrition. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. Welcome back. So obviously, um, the, the food and nutrition question has to do uh, mostly with food. I want to remind us we're with the uh, School, Nutri- uh, School Nutrition Association past president, Becky Demokas bays and Irene Wan of the Maplewood Richmond Heights School District, and Chad Davis, reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. So the focus is on food, but there's a lot of equipment there as well. So, uh, Chad, I'm going to ask you first, because, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you like kitchen equipment, it's got to be <laughs> kind of cool, but it's probably pretty big. What did you see? Yeah, so um, I was actually walking around on the convention floor, and one of the things that was highlighted were a lot of food bars. So just kind of like ways where students can pick and choose things that they would like to see, um, some innovation with, you know, how they, you know, have a, a heated portion of the of the bar and then maybe a cold portion. So I was actually walking around with an individual from Melville, Katie Gegg, and um, she was actually making a wish list kind of some of the things that she wanted to see there at the, at you know, in her own school district. And some of those had to do with things to see in the actual bar area. So if we have that, we'll listen to that in just a moment. I network with all the other directors too. It's not only a, a conference where you get to see new food and new equipment, but I learn from my peers, just like any other business. Um, we bounce ideas off each other. Hey, what recipe works for you? Um, for instance, and it's one here that's been, I think it was shown um, earlier, is a breakfast banana split that is something I'm definitely bringing in it's with yogurt in the morning so it's instead of ice cream you substitute the fruited yogurt or vanilla yogurt and you tap it with uh, you know fresh strawberries obviously the banana a little whipped topping because hey it, you know it's all good you got to make it look like banana split yeah, that's I'd eat, I'd eat that. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a, a different type of banana split she was talking about for kids. Or instead of ice cream, you know, you would have yogurt. So it's, it's a lot of innovations going on, and in, you know, at the actual conference that they're showcasing. Yeah, we always talk about school lunches, uh, Becky and Irene, but really, um, uh, school breakfasts are are a big deal as well. Yeah, so you know, we have at Maple Richmond Heights, we have breakfast grab and goes. So our students come either come to the cafeteria or there are stations interspersed throughout our schools where the students just come in, grab, you know, your, their fruit, their milk, their entree, and they can walk straight to the classroom and eat it in there. Um, it's very convenient for everybody. They all don't have to congregate in one spot. Uh, and it just kind of gets that morning going. You know, they get to see their friends. They have food in their hand. They can eat it while they talk. 
you know, it, it keeps them there, it keeps them awake. And, you know, to follow up on that as well, um, you know, that's where equipment is important, too, because you need specialized equipment to take food down the halls and make sure that it stays at the proper temperature and that you can feed kids quick. If people would come and watch how some of these um, people work, it's amazing how many kids they can serve in a minute. And, um, you know, some kids come to school in the morning and they're just not hungry yet. And But by mid-morning, they're very hungry. And so we have found, uh, and it's very popular across the country, this breakfast after the bell, uh, wellness breaks are becoming popular in high school where they get out for 10 minutes or so between, we call it passing time in Virginia, between classes and they go down and they grab a snack, um, which is a healthy snack. They have to meet smart snack standards and then they go back to class. And a lot of times it's something as simple as a smoothie or it might be something as simple as a, you know, a, um, a whole grain uh bar you know that has has uh, good nutrition in it so again our goal is to make sure that the kids are ready to learn and the only way to to do that is that you can't you can't a hungry kid cannot learn so you want to make sure that you're giving the proper nutrition throughout the day yeah i i think the the snacking thing is an interesting um and partly because i have a grandson who needs to snack constantly and <laughs> you've got to have a school that uh, maybe recognizes that and accommodates that and also, I don't know if, if readers or your listeners might be familiar, but there are many schools across the country who now serve dinner um, immediately after school because um, especially in, in that's mostly in the really high um, free and reduced or the impoverished neighborhoods, but those kids may not have a meal outside of school. So USDA has a program, and we're allowed to serve dinners, and they're at no cost to the student. And we serve maybe two or three hundred meals, maybe it's five hundred meals. It depends on the school, but that allows those kids to, you know, have sustained nourishment throughout the day. And um, it's important um, for kids who might not have other meals. And you know, often I think people don't realize that kids. There are many, many kids out there who really, truly, the only meals they get are the meals they get at school. So another reason to make sure that they're the most nutritious that we can. I'd like to take another phone call. Jason's calling from Maplewood with a question or a comment. Jason, you there? Hi. Um, I appreciate the conversation. Uh, from what I remember, when I was a child, um, I didn't make the best choices. And so having giving kids the option of you know choosing uh, what they eat I, in that kind of situation with a bar, I kind of feel there would be a large gravitation towards unhealthy uh, options. And from what I understand, I, I understand like you want to get the opinion of your of people who are you know purchasing, but I, I, I'm not sure if I'm just misguided. But I thought the lar- a larger issue was just the uh, you know are there sources of are there adequate sources of protein that we are putting out? Um, are things too high in sugar? And so I'm I'm a little confused on why the discussion is. It feels almost like it's like how to better sell and how to better um, how to better you know. Uh, provide but not necessarily what we're providing um so am i am i am i wrong in in this understanding that the issue with uh school nutrition right now is the content not necessarily how it's being administered and okay a number of things let's see if we can uh, pick this apart a little bit uh becky or irene sure um, I'll, I'll pitch yeah. in here 
Um, just remember that we have meal standards. So let's just take the bar. And Chad, I think you know maybe you can right. add to your experience here. But when mm-hmm. you come in, the first thing you do is you choose your protein. And that could be chicken, beef, or in our case in Virginia, we had paneer cheese for the veg- vegetarian items or uh, options. And then you go through and it's all almost all fresh fruit and vegetables. So you choose, like, say, if you had a... Um, a day that had a, a Thai theme, you would have the chicken with the appropriate spice profile. Then you would perhaps choose edamame. You could choose onions. You could choose uh, fresh lettuce or fresh spinach. So it's all fresh foods that are there. That's what the draw is for the kids. And it's the appropriate serving size. So you get a, if you want two spoonsfuls of edamame, edamame, you can get that. Or if you just want a little onion, you can get that. And by the time they go through the cashier, they've got a complete lunch there. And so that's, I'm glad you wanted that clarification because I, I think it's important to notice that we're not throwing anything out there that's unhealthy. And yes, kids, as they get toward middle school and high school, they, they start to branch out and they want to eat more, you know, have, have more independence in their food choices. So that's why we try to offer things that certainly is, is, uh, are more um, healthy related. And I will say that many school districts across the country also have unlimited fruit and vegetable bars. The kids can take as much as they want without extra cost. So I think, um, I think we're doing a pretty good job on promoting healthy food, but you've got to do that in a way that the kids don't really know sometimes that it's always healthy. <laughs> yeah, and I just want to add to that because just from my reporting and, and learning more about this too, is yeah, there are certain standards that the foods have to meet. Like I believe whole grain options or grain options have to be at least 51% whole grain. Um, there's, you know, I, I believe there can't be more than 850 calories, for example, in high school. So there, there, there are certain standards that each of the, the foods that are being sold have to meet. And that's something that I noticed when I was actually at the conference yesterday and in some of the reporting that I've been doing on this issue as well. And you're yep. correct. But you can't, you can, you can uh, lead them to the water, but you can't make them eat what they're supposed to eat, right? I mean, it, when, they sit, when they sit down at the table, it's up to them as to whether they're going to consume uh, what you'd like them to consume. That's true. Um, we, uh, one, of the, one of the significant issues that I think kids across the country face is time to eat. And when we add a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables, um, it adds to chewing time. I know that sounds kind of silly, but it adds time to eat. And so we we want to put foods out there, and you're right, that this is their social time. So you've got to be able to eat and talk and, you know, have your social time and still get it all in in maybe 20 minutes or 15 minutes. And that's difficult sometimes. And for children who are in that stage of losing their teeth, um, and also kids who are in the stage of wearing braces, it's even harder for them because, you know, it's painful um, to eat with braces on. Or if you don't have teeth, it's a little hard to chew an apple. So we've tried to um, innovate there and provide sliced fruit, so like sliced apples, which is very, we're very popular. I, I don't know about Irene's district, but I know in ours we sold thousands and thousands of bags of sliced apples because kids can eat those. And in the high schools and middle schools, they can throw them in their backpack for a snack maybe later on in the day. I would think in some uh, schools, maybe among older kids, there might be, uh, you know, you you think about kids resisting all of this and only wanting to eat junk food. But uh, I would think there might be a movement among young people. They may be asking for more nutritious foods or vegan diets or vegetarian forward diets and things like that. Is that happening? 
Yeah, so definitely in my district, we have a small core group of vegetarians that we always provide an entree alternate for. So if, um, you know, we can have black bean burgers made from scratch uh, using canned black beans and, and our district chef has a recipe to put, you know, good flavor profile in it, like cumin and a little coriander, that kind of thing. So we do have options available for our students. We recognize the need for different types of not only, you know, medical diets, but just lifestyle diets. So trying to accommodate what we can do within our realm to, you know, provide that satisfaction for the students and for their families. So the families know that, okay, my kid's taken care of when they eat at school. And that's always important to us, making sure that those kids are fed and happy. And I think, you know, with this, what we call the Gen Zs that are coming up now, they're interested in their planet and the planet's health. And so they are coming forward and asking for um origin where do you buy your chicken from do you have sustainable seafood um what kind of um utensils are we using can they be composted can they you know what can we do to um promote those kind of things as well so you know kids today are very different than they were in my time and probably in and irene's significantly younger than i am um <laughs> in her time you know in school but i think one of the nice things about school nutrition is that we we don't compete with each other. We like to share. And so if you can steal an idea from somebody else, it's great because it might very well work with, within your group. And that's one of the nice things about um, here at, in St. Louis with our conferences, that, and Irene alluded to this, is, is networking with all these different professionals and finding out what works with their, within their districts and then taking those ideas back and uh, implementing them um, in the same fashion or maybe with a little tweak or two in their districts. So, yes, kids do want um, more fresh food, and they do want to know where their food's coming from. And I think um, I think they're way more sophisticated than I was when I ate. Um, fast food was just coming in when I was a kid, so that kind of dates me. But, um, you know, now you see kids, and they go out to Thai restaurants and uh, many ethnic restaurants, so they know what these foods are, and that's what they want to see at school. It would seem to me, though, school districts are always dealing with budgets. It would be cheaper to pay for a large truck to deliver a lot of frozen food than to try to maintain a certain freshness of, of things. So, so the finances still have to come into this. And, and how much of the, the, the school uh, uh, menu is uh, prepared, frozen, and, and heated up? And not that that's a bad thing, but um, you, you've got to balance that out from a budgetary standpoint, don't you? Yes. Um, you know, there's still the spicy chicken sandwiches you alluded to in, in your opening comments that kids really love. Um, but as Irene says, in her district, they have, um, you know, more scratch cooking. We did a lot of speed scratch cooking. I had 400 employees in my uh, district and from all over the world. And so, you know, there's a, there's a challenge to, to culinary uh, training because when you're used to the metric system and then you're going to cups and spoons and that kind of thing, there's some training that goes uh, along with that. So, yeah, we, what we, some of the sessions here in our professional development are on how to uh, look at key performance indicators like your food cost and things that you can do to keep that within your range and the same thing with your labor or your revenue to cost or, you know, that kind of thing. There's all kinds of um, management tools that we also learn and try to teach other, teach new directors or um, even teach an old dog new tricks, as it were, to make sure that we are meeting our districts um, and our school board's desires 
for a financially sustainable program. It seems to me, to wrap things up, that this is kind of an exciting time for uh, for nutrition, for food, and, and frankly, for something as, you know, it sounds as boring as school lunches. There's a lot going on. <laughs> you know, it was, you know, going to the conference yesterday and seeing all the different options that are available uh, made me wish I was back in school for a little bit. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot going on. Well, that's good news for you guys and for, for the school nutritionists. And, and I want to thank uh, past School Nutrition Association President Becky Demokas bays and Irene Wan, Director of Food Services for the Maplewood Richmond Heights School District, for joining us today, along with St. Louis Public Radio's Chad Davis. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.